Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good. Good. Well, it's good to see you today. We're going to be in 1 Peter this morning. So if you'll make your way to 1 Peter chapter number 3. And uh, thank you for being here today. If you're a guest with us today, we want to thank you for being here. And we uh, hope that you have enjoyed the service so far today. And we hope that the message is a blessing to you. And we hope that you'll take a moment and fill out a connect card and let us know that you're here and uh, give us uh, just some information about yourself and something maybe we can pray for you about. And uh, I'm praising the Lord for the opportunity to to, uh, meet you later after the service. We have a baptism plan for next week, so I'm excited about that. And uh, so I hope that you'll be here for that. And we start our missions emphasis month. And uh, in between that, in between next Sunday and Mission, Missions Emphasis Month, uh, a week from tomorrow, my uh, wife and I will be taking a group of 40 to Israel. So if you'll pray for us, uh, we, uh, we're looking forward to that, that trip. And uh, we'll be gone for 10 days, and uh, it'll be a fascinating trip. So I'm knowing that uh, Lord will bless that trip. I'm, I'm excited about uh, that opportunity to go there. This past Sunday, we had our church annual church business meeting, and I want to thank those that attended uh, our deacons and advisory board uh, those that were up for election uh, were all uh, nominated to serve another two-year term, and so we're thankful for that. And then also uh, our church uh, budget was approved, uh, so we're thankful for that as well. So we'll just continue uh, forward this upcoming year, 2023, and see what the Lord has for us this past month on January uh, 13th, I believe it was, we closed this piece of property. We had a church business meeting in December and uh, those that were there uh, voted and we purchased this property, 4.6 acres right next to us here. Uh, What is that? Is that east, west, north, south? It's whatever that property is, that direction right there, whatever that way is, um, is uh, so we're able to get that. And we'll talk about that uh, in uh, uh, month of March, uh, just how the Lord will let us use that property. So we're thankful uh, for that and for uh, those that are part of that. So uh, God's doing a lot of things here at our church. I'm thankful for all that he's doing. I'm thankful that you're a part of it. And uh, let's look into his word today. I preached this last week. I was out of town. I took my daughter to uh, a college. They asked me to come preach. So I was able to co- take her and we spent the week together uh, looking at a, a college. I can't believe my third child is wanting to move out of our house and uh, uh, go away to college. I tried to convince her that uh, college is you know, out of state is bad and boys are bad and, and uh, stay home with dad and uh, commute. Uh, but uh, I don't think I'm talking this one into that. But we had a, a good time together and I was able to, to preach several times there. And uh, boy, this past Wednesday night, I preached there at the campus church and there's 5,500 people in that audience. And they were not as kind and loving as you. Um, 
I, I loved just being uh, back here and uh, preaching to our church. And there's something about our, our church. It's a special place. And um, I'm glad you're here today. You know, this world is, uh, is, is spiraling out of control. Doing everything it can to capture the thoughts of our mind and instill fear and anxiety and uh, really control our thoughts. I read an article this week that uh, many states are even starting to ban TikTok because it is uh, on purpose seeing what you're watching, gathering information, and then putting, putting things in front of you to, to try to uh, control your thinking. And uh, well, it's like some sci-fi movie, isn't it? Uh, somebody trying to control our thoughts, but it's happening. Education is more of indoctrination anymore. Indoctrinating our young people, uh, and it's uh, it's wicked. This uh, past week or two, uh, just recently in Hollywood, you probably saw this uh, big event where Hollywood comes together, and they had a time of of uh, one one described it as a time of worship. And it was a singer dressed up like Satan and fire and those that were around him singing and dancing, bowing to him and Satan was exalted and open. And these things are not things that are hidden. These things are open. There's a fight across our country for, for um, uh, the, the thoughts and the, the lives of our young people, confusion setting in. I can't believe that we are living in a, in an age today that, uh, they, the government, the school system wants to be able the teachers and others want to be able to, uh, help your child transition if they choose to, without the parent's involvement or the parent's consent. We're living in strange, strange days. I had, I heard a politician say this, for the sake of our grandchildren, we need to save abortion. I thought to myself, for the sake of our grandchildren, if we push abortion, we won't have grandchildren. I mean, it made no sense. It made no sense. And I don't say this to be political in any way. I just say this because this is the way that our country is going. But when our president spoke of abortion, he got a standing ovation in Congress at the State of the Union address, and it just grieved my heart that these things are just wicked. And the world is trying to do everything it can to capture our thoughts, our minds, and get us away from the mind of Christ and get us into anything anti-God and anti-Scripture. We've got to understand this, church. There's a fight. There's a battle. There's a war that's taking place for your mind. There's a battle. There's a war taking place for your children's mind and their thoughts. There's a battle and a war taking place for your grandchildren's thoughts and minds. And we've got to stand against this. It's not easy. 
Peter is writing to a church, to a, to a, a group of people. He calls them in chapter one, verse number one, st- strangers scattered throughout. These are, this epistle is an epistle to not a specific church, like Paul writes to the church at Corinth or the church at Galatia or the church at Thessalonica. He's writing to a specific church, a specific area. Peter is writing to a group of believers. These believers were Jews that now are, are, are saved. They once lived a life. They were living as Jews in a Gentile nation. And now they're living as Christians. They, they, they are going through great suffering. They're going through great suffering because now they're living for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going through great suffering because they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the world is, is not accepting their message. They're not accepting their, 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 their stand on the Lord Jesus Christ and for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're suffering great sufferings. Matter of fact, Peter says to this church, I want you to go with me to chapter number four in verse number 12. He says to this church, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. He is saying that suffering is going to become to the believer. Suffering is going to be so common to the believer that, that don't think it's strange when suffering comes. I've said this so often. I was preaching through this book on Wednesday evenings. And I said this so often to the church uh, on Wednesday nights as I'm, as I'm teaching through this book that the prosperity gospel preaching is not biblical preaching. It's not the It's not the true gospel. The prosperity gospel is if you, once you get saved, God's going to bless you and, and you'll never have any more problems and you're going to be cured of any sickness and any ailment and, and your suffering and, and all of this is going to be gone and it's just, just going to live a, a rich, rich uh, life here on this earth. That's not Bible. Peter says here in chapter 4, verse 12, think it not strange concerning this fiery trial that is to come. He said, matter of fact, in the same verse, he says, matter of fact, think it strange if you don't go through trials and suffering. Every time you go through suffering, it doesn't mean that God's mad at you. It doesn't mean that you're involved in sin. It just simply means this. You are living in this world. This is a sinful world, and, and, and you're going to stand for the things of God, and there's going to be persecution and suffering that's going to come because you have chosen to stand for God. God uses suffering to try us. Well, I wish there was another way that God could mold us and make us outside of suffering. How many of you like suffering? I don't. <laughs> boy, oh boy, I... I'd like to do without it. But God knows best. God uses suffering and God uses trials to mold us and make us into the image that he desires for us to be. I don't like as you're going through those sufferings, but I want to be what God wants me to be. Don't you church? I shared this uh, with you several, several months ago, this past April. Now I'm not going to get into it this morning, but I shared this with you. And I just want us to look at these thoughts here this morning. And so before we do that, I want to, I want to share this story with you this past April, 2022 was a, a difficult, a difficult uh, time for my life. I, w- I was sitting right on the front row here on a Sunday morning and, 
everything was as normal as normal could be. But I was, I was sitting there during that, during the, the, the worship time, boy, something just hit me. Something came over me and just fear and anxiety. It was like something just clicked. It was the, it was the, it was the strangest thing. And, and as I was sitting there and just began to weep and begin to, 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 to just weep. And I noticed my wife saw me and, and made eye contact me while she was singing. And I knew something was just off. Something was wrong, but I had no choice. I had to preach. <laughs> so in just those few moments, got up here, preached and just thought to myself, I have, don't know what that was all about. And the next day woke up and the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day. And it just was there, there constantly. I dealt with it in April and May and I sat across, I went away for a couple days just to try to deal with it, figure out what was going on in my mind. Just constant fear, constant anxiety, everything. I'd come to church on Sunday and say, I don't think anybody's coming. <laughs> I'd look out the blinds in my office just to make sure people were in the parking lot. You know, I sat across the table as my wife and I were talking in May and I said, I don't know what's going on, but I need help. I need to sort these things through everything in my mind, everything in my heart. I was doubting, doubting everything. I said to my wife, I just don't feel like I'm a good dad. I don't feel like I'm a good father. I don't feel like I'm a good pastor. I mean, everything in my mind was just full of anxiety and fear. I went away and I appreciate that opportunity. Our deacons spoke to our deacons and I appreciate them allowing me to go away. I took June off. I spent time with my family. I spent time alone uh, with uh, uh, at a pastoral retreat center there in Marble, Colorado. And then I spent some time just with my wife and spent that, that month just trying to refocus and, and uh, work through those, those feelings, those emotions, whatever it was that was going on. There was days I thought I was going crazy. There was times I thought I can't understand these thoughts. Have you ever been there? And I came to books like first Peter and God would use the epistle of first Peter just to, to give me clarity, to give me help. Because as I thought the world, my world was spiraling out of control. As I thought I can't get a, a hold of my emotions. I can't get a hold of my thoughts. As I, as I was trying to battle through what was happening within my own heart and mind, I would come to passages like first Peter and I would find strength. I would find truth as my mind was thinking and telling me one thing I'd come to the word of God and I would find that foundation that I so desperately needed. And I thank God for that. And I want to share today with you several thoughts just about our mind, our thought life, because I believe that everything today, everything, as we look, I, <clears throat> I tell you that, the 24 hour news cycle is just always in front of us. I feel like, you know, the internet is, is just always bombarding us with information. Right? How many of you, you don't know something. And the first thing you do is just ask Siri what it is. How many of you use Google all the time? How many of you, if it is on Google, it's got to be Bible. It's got to be truth. It's got to be. 
How many of you looked over the last two weeks of pictures of balloons flying in the air? Come on now. You know you have. What is a Chinese balloon look like? Yeah. Boy, it's always there. Causing fear. (coughs) Causing anxiety. Causing us to wonder what's going on and how do we act and how do we behave? And then we look at all the world that's around us and we just feel like it's just bombarding us with our thoughts. And I've said this to myself over and over and over, and I have said this to the Lord many times in my prayer life. Lord, how much worse can this world get? How much worse can it get? I want to talk to us today about our mind. Look with me, if you would, please, in 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3, in verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter 3. In verse number eight, Peter's writing, Peter was a Baptist. How do I know that he was a Baptist preacher? Because in chapter three, halfway through his message, he said, finally, that was a joke. Never mind. (laughs) He still had to half the message to go is what I was trying to say there. Finally, be all of one mind, be all of one mind, having compassion, one of another love as brethren Be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessings, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Let his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. He says, finally, in verse number eight, be all of one mind. Now he's not saying finally, like he's ending the epistle. He's saying finally here in the middle of this epistle is because he's bringing up for the first two and a half or so chapters, three, three chapters, he's bringing up about suffering. He's talking about those that uh, are going to endure suffering. He's reminding the believer that suffering is a part of the Christian life. But he is not reminding the believer that suffering is a part of the Christian life to discourage the believer and cause the believer to quit. He's causing the believer to understand that suffering is a part of their life, that this is God's plan for their life, that God has not left you in the middle of your suffering, that God is with you and that God is going to protect you during the suffering. So he's writing to them so that they would endure suffering and allow God to perfect them into the image of Christ. He's writing to them to encourage them. You say, that's not very good encouragement. Hey, guess what? Suffering's coming. Like in marriage counseling, when you're going to do marriage counseling to a couple young adults and you say, listen, marriage is a wonderful thing, but I want to talk to you about a few things. You're going to fight. You're not going to get along. There will be at least one night that she's going to get out of bed and say, I'm going back to live with my parents. And you should say, please don't, babe, I love you. But instead, you're going to say, go ahead. More room for me. That has never happened in my home. I've counseled enough to know it's happened in all of yours. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, it's, it's, it's part of life. I don't, you don't say that because you want them not to get married. You say that to say this. When you get to that place, you can make it. You're not abnormal. 
You're not the only one going through this. There's many that have gone through it and many that have endured it and many that have come out on the other side. And so can you. Peter is writing this, this, these believers to encourage them to stay in the fight, to encourage them to stay in the battle, to encourage them that when your mind and your thoughts are begin to wonder and suffering comes and trials come, stand fast on the word of God. Unmovable. And he says this in verse number eight, be of one mind. Now, that one mind that he's speaking of is not the mind of a human being. It's the mind of Christ. It's the mind of Christ. Be all of one mind. That mind is the the mind of Christ. That mind of Christ is what is going to keep you grounded when your mind begins to wonder and question. That mind of Christ is what's going to keep you grounded when your mind is consumed with fear and anxiety and and stress and being overwhelmed. That mind of Christ is what's going to keep you grounded in the word of God. So Peter is speaking of this mind. He's speaking of our thoughts. I want to speak today about our thought, our process of, of, of thinking, that mind the mind of Christ. Look with me, if you would please, in 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse number 13, if you would please, 1 Peter 1, verse number 13, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance. He says, I I want you to be like Christ. Be sober, be, be, be of one mind and, and make sure that this mind is the mind of Christ and not how you used to think before you knew Christ. Don't resort back to your, your upbringing and your way of thinking and, 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 and your mind, how you were before you were saved. Recognize this, that now that you are a child of God, you ought to behave like Christ behaves. You ought to think like Christ thinks. I want to remind you that it was Christ that suffered for you and for me. It was Christ that said to his father, not my will, but thy will be done. It's Christ that said, if, if this cup could pass from me, wonderful. But Lord, I'm, Father, I'm willing to do your will. It was Christ that went to the cross and shed his blood and was beaten and bruised so that you and I could be reconciled back to God. Christ himself suffered so the Father's will could be done. And that same mind that Christ had is the same mind that you and I are commanded to have so that we could live this life pleasing to our Heavenly Father. We are to give our thoughts. We're to give our mind and our thoughts over to the things of the Lord, not to the things of this world. Do you ever ever realize this? Like the world has a way of thinking. And if we're not careful, Christian, we can get caught up into that. We can get caught up into that thinking. But we're not to be caught up into the thinking like our flesh. We are to be caught up thinking with one mind, and that's the mind of Christ. And so I want to speak to us today about this mind of Christ. Here we find, he says, finally, be of one mind, having compassion 
one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. This, this, this compassion, loving, being of one mind is a form of unity in Christ, unity around his word. You and I must be unified in the mind of Christ so that we together corporately as a church can accomplish what God desires for us to accomplish. God did not make a mistake by putting you to be a part of this local body of believers. He placed you here for a purpose and a reason. He placed you here to get along and to serve with others here that are in this place so that Jesus Christ is exalted. He placed you here and he's gifted you with talents and gifts that he desires for you to use corporately together so that all of us can see Jesus Christ magnified here in this place. So Peter's writing because, you know, the, the world can divide us. The world can cause us to, to, to just go away and, and, and think, I'm going to live by myself, and I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just try to survive. Listen to me. We are not made to be by ourselves to try to survive. We are made in the image of Christ. We are made together to be a part of this body of Christ that God has placed together so that we can uh, uh, fellowship, so that we can serve, so we can see Christ magnified through us. You know what the reality is? We need each other. I need you. You need me. You need the person sitting next to you and across from you. We need each other so that Jesus Christ can be exalted through us. But it only comes with unity. Unity in Christ. And then he says this, finally, brother, finally, be of all one mind, having compassion. Having compassion. When I was in my, my turmoil in my mind, and I, I wish I could say that it was all over and done with, but boy, there's days it just pops back up. And when it does, and when I'm uh, uh, feeling this way, I go back to passages like this to remind myself what a mind of Christ ought to be. I remind myself the characteristics of the mind of Christ. I remind myself through God's word. I ground myself back with the truth of God's word. This is my thought life. This is how I ought to behave. And every one of us ought to have compassion or sympathy considering one another, considering what others are going through, considering that compassion or that sympathy, considering the misfortune or the pain or the suffering that someone else is going through. Peter is saying to this church, be of one mind and show compassion for those that need compassion. Show compassion for those that need help. Show compassion for those that are going through difficult times. It reminds me in just a few days, we're going to be there at the Mount of Olives. there, looking over Jerusalem. And one of the uh, uh, things that reminds me so much, the last time I was there, I, re- I was reminded as Jesus looks over, he looks out over 
Jerusalem and he sees the people and he sees the walls of Jerusalem and he sees the temple there uh, standing above the temple mount and, and he looks over this people and he says in a, in a, in a uh, sympathetic way, in a compassionate way, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, he's crying out with uh, sympathy and compassion. He came there to be their Messiah and he knew that in just a few days they were going to reject him, that they were going to crucify him, that they were going to say that this is not the Messiah. One of the saddest things that we'll see there in Jerusalem is when they'll go to that, that western wall and they'll go and they'll pray that the Messiah will come. They'll pray that God will deliver them and, and bring the Messiah and that the Messiah will, will set up and rule and reign there in Jerusalem and, and free them from the bondage that they're in. And what the saddest thing to know is this, Jesus Christ has already come. The Messiah that they're looking for, the Messiah that they're waiting for, he has already been there. And Jesus, knowing that he was going to be crucified, knowing that he was going to take that the sin of all mankind, still looks over and with tears cries out, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, with great compassion. Looking at the misfortune, the pain of others. Listen to me, Christian. Sometimes we can get so numb. Sometimes we can get so hardened by the things of this world. Sometimes we can get so untrusting because of what this world is always throwing at us. We're afraid to help because we think that person might take advantage or we don't know if they really need help. And we're always questioning and always wondering. But here Peter says this, be of one mind. Make sure that your thoughts are centered upon Christ and be have compassion or sympathy considering the misfortune or the pain that someone else is going through. Listen to me this morning. We need to be a church that is constantly considering how we can help those that are in great need. We'll have missions conference. It's coming up in missions emphasis month in March. And what's the point of missions emphasis month? It's to cause us to have compassion for a world that needs Christ. We may never be in the jungles of, of South America or, or the, the rainforest. We may never be in the jungles of, 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 of places around this world. We may never be on the other side of this world, but God has called us to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have got to be compassionate about the need that people have. There's still uh, some three to four billion people in this world that have never heard the name Jesus. I constantly think about the Sun family. They share with me when they were growing up in China before they came here to the United States, they never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never one time. Never one time they grew up there in China and never heard Jesus. No one ever sat with them with a Bible and showed them how they could be saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never heard Oh, my heart goes out for com in compassion and sympathy, knowing that those that die without Christ will die and spend eternity in hell. We've got to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. 
It's going to come when not when we are so consumed with our suffering or so consumed with the things of this world. It's going to come when we have a heart like the heart of Christ and we have the mind like a mind of Christ and we begin to have compassion one for another. I say this often. I remind you today, there's people here in this room that are hurting. And church is not something we just do on Sunday morning because it's our duty. It's not something we do because it's just what we do on Sunday mornings as Christians. It's where we come so that we can love and show compassion one to another. It's a place that we ought to be praying. I saw this past week in college in Kentucky, I believe it is. They said a revival is taking place. I know we can look at those things with suspect and I wonder what really is happening. But boy, I'll tell you, I looked at some of those pictures and it seemed like God was moving. People were weeping and crying out to God. People were praying together and begging God to do a miracle. Oh, listen to me, church. It ought to be that way every time we meet Every time the body of Christ comes together, the Holy Spirit of God ought to be working. The Holy Spirit of God ought to be using you to meet needs of others. The Holy Spirit of God ought to be impressing upon your heart to be compassionate. There's people here in this room that need you. There's people in this room today that are going through great suffering, that's going through great uh, problems, and they need you to come alongside of them and put an arm around them. May we not get so busy and so consumed and so just in and out and, and get this done with and get it off our schedule so we can get on with our week, but may we come together as the body of Christ showing compassion one for another. Oh, church, when's the last time you walked up to someone and just simply said, I want to pray with you? You know what they say that prayer is one of the most difficult things for husbands and wives to do together. It's the most awkward thing. And now it's become one of the most awkward things to do in a church. Makes people uncomfortable. It makes people feel awkward. We live in a society that's conditioned us to have our own space and keep away. But listen to me, that's not the way the body of Christ ought to be working. When somebody has a need, we come running. When somebody has a, 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 a needs, needs a misfortune, we come running. When somebody needs prayer, it ought to be the most common thing for the children of God that are led by the Spirit of God to kneel and pray together and share burdens together and love on each other and have compassion one for each other. That's the way a child of God ought to be. He says this, not only have compassion and sympathy, look with me if you would please. He also says this, one of another, love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous. Love as brethren. He says in verse 17 of chapter 2, honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. 
Peter says to this church, I want you to have the mind, one mind. This mind is the mind of Christ. We ought to come together in unity in Christ and his word. In order to do that, we must have compassion or sympathy one for another, considering misfortune or pain of others, and then love as brethren. You know what that love as brethren is more than just words. It's action. You know what it means? Forgiving. It means forgiving. It means considering. It means this showing of kindness. If we truly want the spirit of God to move among us, if we truly want to be different in 2023, if we want to be different from this world, then Christian, just us coming to church doesn't make us different. Us behaving like Christ. But in order for us to behave like Christ, we must have the mind of Christ. In order for us to behave like Christ, we must have the mind of Christ in Christ loved It was those that nailed Christ to the cross where Christ said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That same example was then set when Stephen was was stoned there in that pile of stones for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the church's uh, first deacons, he he was a martyr for Christ. He was stoned there for preaching the gospel. What did he say? Father, get back with them. I hope they see your power and your majesty. I hope you judge them for what they do. No, he said the same thing Christ said. Father, forgive them. We must, we must have forgiving spirits. We as a child of God, we have got to stop holding on to things of the past. We've got to stop holding on to those that have hurt us. We've got to stop holding on to bitterness. We've got to stop holding on to the things that that caused us to feel like we weren't appreciated and loved. We've got to have a spirit of forgiveness. Christian, maybe there's some here today, and if all you get today, it's time to forgive. Stop holding on. Stop taking that and not letting it go. Lay it at the feet of Christ. Let him take that burden. Let him free you of that and forgive. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Love his brethren considering one another. You know what it also means? Accepting of one. Accepting. You know what I realized? I'll tell you, having five children has been the most wonderful thing and the most painful thing. (laughs) You know what I've learned? They're all different. Every one of them are different. My oldest daughter... She's like, yeah, dad, I'll just stay home for college and I want to commute. I love it at home. Then, then, then Mackenzie, I said to her this week, babe, let's stay home. Dad, I want to go away. I said, don't you love me? She says, dad has nothing to doubt about loving you. I just want to go away. I want to go down and party. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> So different. So very different. Last night we were at a little, we were at a, a father and daughter banquet here at the church for the, the parent, uh, fathers and, and teens, uh, teen daughters. And they gave us a little card. And so I had two of my girls that were with me. 
and they you had to fill out 10 questions. What is their favorite this? What is this? What? And, and I had the same parents, two girls, same mom, same dad, grew up in the same home, 10 questions, 10 separate answers. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? It's not fair. They only have one dad they had to ask questions about. I had two girls. You know what I learned? I love them for who they are. I didn't say to, to, to Mackenzie, you need to be more like Lily. Or Lily, you need to be more like Mackenzie. Or Mackenzie, you want to go away to college. You want to be more like your sister. She wants to stay home. You know what love his brother is? Accepting someone the way God made them. And enjoying the person who God meant for them to be. We need to stop putting pressures on people to be something that isn't what God wants them to be, but just simply what you want them to be. Let's just enjoy the people that God has placed in their life. I said to my wife one day, oh, it was a bad day. I've got a good friend. His wife teaches uh, and so they, they'll go and do just different speaking engagements and his wife will go and speak to the ladies. And so oftentimes if somebody says to me, hey, will you come to a marriage retreat or will you come preach? So they'll also say, oh, well, and if your wife wants to come, she could also speak to our ladies. And I'll say, oh, yeah, she'd love that. And I know I'm lying. I know I'm lying. And I'll hang up the phone and be like, hey, babe, um, you're... You're speaking next year at this conference or this ladies retreat or this marriage. No, I'm not. Well, you are because I told him that you are. So you really need to get something together because you're going to look really foolish when you get there. If you didn't prepare, it's going to be really tough. I've got this good friend of mine in they actually call him to say, hey, is your wife busy? We'd like her to come speak. And I guess if you want to come, you can as well. And I said to my wife one time, oh, this was bad. I said, babe, if you were more like Heather. <clears throat> oh, I did. <laughs> if you were more like Heather, it'd be easier on me. Because then I could say yes and hang up the phone and you'd high five me instead of give me a right jab. And I saw this look on her. It wasn't a look of anger. It wasn't a look like I normally look when I say, hey, babe, guess what you're doing next, next year? I just, no, yeah, no, you are. It was a look of hurt. It was, a, it was a look of, and she said this, she said, if God wanted you to be married to Heather, my name would have been Heather. But he gave you me. And you just need to accept who I am. And oh, that was so good. 
get hurt. But you know what the love is, brethren, is to accept who God has given you. And many in this room today, you just need to accept the wife and the husband that God gave you and stop comparing them to someone else. The wife and husband God gave you is the wife that God and the husband God wanted you to have. And you know what you need to learn to do? Love them. Your job is not to question God. Your job is to love them. God gave you the children and the grandchildren that he wanted you to have. And you need to stop comparing them to everyone else. And you just simply need to love them the way that God made them. You know what I said to my, my son, straight A student, Kaylee, straight A student. I have one that's not necessarily, wasn't always a straight A student, really trying hard now. But when she was younger in school, she would say this. She'd say, are C's good? And I'd say, well, babe, I mean, C's are average. Oh, good. That's great. That's all I want to be is average. I don't want to be anything more than average. She loved being average. And I didn't say, well, your sister's an A student. Because God made them different. Now, if she's trying her best and she gets C's and B's, guess what? Praise the Lord. You see, sometimes we just have this thought and the world puts it in our mind that you need to be this and you need to do this and you need to behave this way and you need and all these pressures and all these thoughts. And we, we, we come to the place where we're constantly disappointed because someone's not meeting our expectation. Love is brother. You know what that means? Just simply let him meet God's expectation and encourage them. I love the wife that God gave me. I just want to encourage her to be who God, God made her to be. You know, I find when she's encouraged to be who God made her to be, she's a lot better wife than for me to want her to be something that she can't be. You see, we need to have the mind of Christ. This mind of Christ is this. Christ accepted you for who you are. When you were dead in trespasses and sin, he died for you. He didn't ever say, well, you need to be more like Walter. And if you're more like Walter, then I'll save you. He just simply said this, cry out to me, confess your sins and put your faith and trust in me. I don't care your last name. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care what's in your bank account. I don't care what you've ever done. I don't care what your father's ever done. I don't care what sin it is. I don't care what's in your DNA. All I care is you repent of that sin and you trust me as your savior. If yes, then I'll save you and make you my child. Aren't you thankful for that? You see, we ought to have the mind of Christ. And that will consume our thoughts. We will then have unity. We'll then have compassion and sympathy for those that are in great need. And then we'll learn to love. We'll learn to forgive. We'll learn to consider one another. We'll learn to accept one another. And we'll show kindness one to another. You know what I challenge every one of you today with? Do something kind. Just do something kind. And I would encourage you even to take a step farther. Now, some of you think I'm going to be crazy for this. Do something kind to someone that has hurt you. Because that's what Christ did for you. You see, what Peter is telling these believers to be like in the midst of suffering, he's telling them to be like Christ. 
Because Christ had the spirit of unity. Father, not my will, but thy will be done. I'll do what your desire is. He had compassion looking out over a world that was lost in sin and said, I'll go and I'll be this sacrifice so that you could be reconciled back to the father. He learned to forgive. He learned to love. Listen to me, Peter, who denied him. Peter, who cursed and said, I don't even know who he is. Jesus said this, Peter, I've prayed for you. Because Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. That's kindness. When was the last time you have fervently prayed for a brother and sister in Christ that needs it? I want to encourage you today. Show kindness. Not someone that is just going to show kindness back to you, but show kindness to someone that maybe doesn't even have a way of showing kindness back to you. Show kindness to someone that has hurt you. Show kindness to someone that has done something against you. Show them Christ. And show them what Christ has done for you. When they say, why would you do such a thing? You can say, it's not me. It's Christ. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.